0: Hello, my name's John Bradbury, and um, I work in the EMAs, People Experience Practice, Um, and this EMA cast is uh, an episode where we're going to look at workplace health and uh, about organisations, what they can do in order to build sort of healthy, more healthy workforce. And and in order to look at that today, um, I'm really pleased to have with me uh, Kate Bukowski, who is... uh, uh, health professional who works now at uh, Southern Cross. I was really interested in getting Kate in because whilst the EMA and NIB have done it, did a workplace uh, wellness survey last year with some very powerful results, I know Southern Cross also did have done some surveys over a number of years looking at changes and looking more broadly perhaps at healthy futures as they call them. So, um, in terms of starting this this podcast off, I'd like to really welcome Kate today. And maybe if you, Kate, you could say a bit about your, your background, I think, would be helpful for people.
1: Great. Thank you, John. And kia ora, And thank you for having me in today. Uh, so my life has working life has been a little bit different from some of the people you may have had on and some of the people watching today. So uh, I work in healthcare, always have. Uh, I started off as a clinician, very much at as an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, seeing high-risk people. Uh, And I did that for a number of years and by the tender age of about 28, I managed to burn myself out. Right. So I took some time, went overseas on a holiday, and was still burnt out. So I decided to pick up my master's, which was gonna be a clinical master's, and refocus that on public health. So I did my master's actually on homeless women in central Auckland, and then started to work much more in the upstream area of population health. So looking at how we could prevent those ambulances from falling off the cliff Mm -hmm. and looking at how how we could look at a more population health approach to improve people's health and well-being through a health equity lens.
0: Fantastic. And now the role that you're doing at Southern Cross? Mm,
1: So I joined Southern Cross nearly two years ago. And I was really excited with the work they were doing because they've moved from a hospital focus, and that's where you you know, you know associate uh, Southern Cross with the bricks and mortar hospitals, to healthcare. So what I've done over the last few years is set up a workplace health service, bringing together the skills and expertise of four joint venture partners uh, that include nursing, mental health, counselling, psychology, physio, and OT space. So now we're able to offer to New Zealand businesses uh, a really comprehensive workplace health. So to help companies meet their health and safety obligations. So with our OTs and our OC Health Nurses, right through to ensuring health, wellness, and and preventative care.
0: Okay. In this role at the moment, you've kind of moved out of the sort of health profession, if Mm. you like, I see, it into you're part of the HR team there. Yeah, so
1: I sit in the strategy and partnerships team and I'm working closely with HR. Uh, First time I've worked with HR professionals. You're a great bunch. Uh, So it's been interesting because what we do with workplace health is often it starts with a health check. Mm. So employers will... Uh, fund a 30-minute health check with a registered nurse, which looks at employees' individual risk factors and health and lifestyle. So looking at the risk of diabetes, uh, the risk of cardiovascular disease and the risk of mental illness and the nurse is able to give some really good individual lifestyle advice in those 30 minutes but it also gives the organization in your hr department a real litmus test on what are the risks of your organization of somebody having a heart attack at work or somebody having a mental health episode we're able to through our partners provide uh, immediate response so we have RAISE providing EAP uh, counselling services and we also have CareHQ which is a virtual GP service so that's great for the people who may not have a regular GP or just can't get in and need
0: to talk about something urgently. Fantastic Mm. so like some services there clearly. Mm. Um, But in in terms of that for for organisations, sort of what are you noticing in terms of perhaps changes uh, Mm. that are happening, Mm. that uh, organisations are perhaps coming to you or in discussion with them? What what are are businesses kind of looking for, have you found?
1: The people who are investing are ones who want to invest in their in the, the wellness of their employees yeah. of course it comes back to productivity yes. reduced sick days all of those real tangible things for an employer also reduced acc claims if you can stop somebody going off work with a back injury you know you have acc claim uh, savings there yeah uh, but what we're trying to do is also, is with all of the interventions and all the services we provide, have a really good annual conversation mm. with what is the main stresses for mm. the employees. So unsurprisingly, people are getting bigger. Yes. There's a really high uh, risk of type 2 diabetes. Most organizations are around the 45% mark there'll be a group of people who are at risk of having a heart attack. And from the assessment screens we do in the area of stress, anxiety, depression, there are usually about 10% of employees who are at that really high end. But when we aggregate that data down, if we have enough information so it's confidential, yeah. uh, we, will, we often see a difference in demographics. Yes. So women are drinking more harmfully than men compared to World Health Organization standards. We still have groups around the country who are smoking and vaping at really high levels. We have groups who are really physically inactive. We have groups who are having sleeping issues and people who aren't getting those five plus a day vegetables and their fruit. So it's all of those things that a wellness program can start to really focus. Instead of doing something blanket, Mm -hmm. really focus on groups who need the most help.
0: Right, so that sounds like taking quite a kind of tailored approach, mm. being really understanding what mm. your workforce is and what, what their needs are. Um, now, if we take a kind of step up, lift mm-hmm. it up, mm-hmm. you you know, with this Healthy Futures report, mm. you've got data over a number of years, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, obviously there's sort of trends there, mm-hmm. and there's, there's a wealth of information there. Mm. But what for you are actually the real key standout things for yeah, that totally. that you think, you know, our businesses should know about.
1: Definitely, I think one of the things that stood out for me is that a lot of people's main t- form of exercise is doing the housework. <laughs> I'm not sure if you read that too. <laughs> so, you know, upping it a beat from actually you know, supporting people to have more physical activity in whether it be in work or out of work. So that might be less about uh, subsidising gym membership because what we know is that people who are likely to take up a subsidised gym membership Are probably already going to the gym, you know, or a stock standard nutrition seminar when you people know those people who are going to come along probably have a level of health literacy. So instead, it's really focusing in, consulting, and talking if you have a Māori governance group, or if you have a consumer group, or if you have a union actually talking to them about what would work and what they'd be interested in actually accessing.
0: Yeah. Mm. So that's that kind of tailoring mm-hmm. piece Piece again, sort of yeah. understanding that.
1: Spot on.
0: Uh, and you talk about sort of differences bet- between different groups mm. as well. Um, mm. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: So definitely in New Zealand, we still have a huge difference between urban and rural populations. We've seen that in the right. people that we've worked with. So your head office in... Central Auckland is going to be very different from a factory in New Plymouth. Um, not only the culture around uh, how people, um, what they eat if they smoke, and things can go terribly wrong. So if you don't consult, you can actually have an increase in smokers. So one factory decided to make, in the best detentions their factory smoke-free and right. have a designated smoking area off campus. What happened, they got more smokers because everyone had wanted to leave the factory and go out and have a catch up with their friends in the smoking area.
0: Right, so, so, so even perhaps non-smokers were going off. And, totally, and, yeah. totally, <laughs> so the
1: best intentions, you yeah. know, you, you have a very standard canteen and you have fried food in it. You remove it without consultation, you can get backlash. So that consultation around moving people is uh, what you HR experts (laughs) do, is changing the culture in an organisation needs to be done in partnership.
0: Right. Mm. And, you know, often with these these things, Mm. um, you know, the question is, you know, so in terms of your own organisation, yeah. what sort of things perhaps has Southern Cross done? You know, for its own staff, mm. um, and what's your sort of influence and role there? Yeah,
1: definitely. So, uh, our awesome CEO Chris White. Said that if we were offering the service to other people and offering it as a as a business, your proposition, we should be doing it for our own people. Mm-hmm. So we do have uh, EAP counselling available mm-hmm. through RAISE. Uh We have we've been doing some training of senior uh, leaders on resilience training. So that's tailored training that we can do for uh, for organisations. We have done the health check for our people and hopefully we'll do it uh, in 12 months time to see if our wellbeing programme has made a difference. We do have a wellbeing programme. So we bring in our partners. Uh, We are basing it around four quarters of eating, thinking, sleeping and moving well, which is something that Southern Cross members, uh, uh, corporate members can access uh, uh, through their uh, corporate scheme. So it's a really nice web tool uh, where wellbeing managers can pull information and use and tailor for their staff.
0: Yeah, okay. Mm. So, I mean, things that I'm noticing there as you talk about that um, resonates with a conversation I had a while ago Mm. with um, Chris Hewitt. Mm -hmm. And he talked about, um, you know, the the time for kind of initiatives had kind of gone. What was important was a kind of strategy around it. So, you know, you you seem somebody that takes a very long-term sort of view Mm. view of these sort of things and coming with the the skills and and knowledge you have. Mm. You know, what would be your advice to organisations around building a strategy
1: Mm. for this? So... A wellbeing strategy needs to be tailored and targeted. Yeah. We've talked about that. You also need to look at uh, who you who you employ. And another thing that I've been involved in at Southern Cross is building a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy for the organisation. So I like to explain diversity is being asked to the dance, mm-hmm. and inclusion is about being asked to have a dance.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. there's a
1: real difference. So for HR, that means about looking at who you're getting in, who you're recruiting, what do your long lists look like, are they diverse, and managers asking if they aren't diverse, give me some more people to interview. But it's also looking at how those people fare once they are employed, what uh, op- opportunities are, is everybody given to training, promotions, how long do people stay. So that's one thing we've been looking at in our DEI programme is the DEI infrastructure, but then also... Supporting and celebrating the diversity of our workforce.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, from some of the um, results that Mm. are in in the Healthy Futures Mm -hmm. report, Mm -hmm. some of them did draw attention to Mm -hmm. differences, perhaps Mm -hmm. based on gender or Mm -hmm. ethnicity. Um, You know, any of those that you kind of really stand out to you as ones that, you know, our employers might be like, what want to have front of mind when they're thinking about wellness and diversity?
1: Sure, sure. So there are different times in people's lives yeah. that are more stressful. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we've noticed is women returning to the workforce, people refer to uh, returning yes. to the workforce after parental leave. You know, how do you support them transition in? Yeah. Uh, thinking about um, minority groups. So, for example, uh, this year during Ramadan, we had a Muslim employee who needed to pray every day. Right. You know, do you have a prayer room? Do you have a wellness room, some space where somebody can retreat if they need some time, you know, uh, or if you do want to do a well-being initiative, that it's done out of the boardroom or out of a, a sort of a personalityless, uh, n- free meeting room, but you've actually got a, an environment which supports the well-being of your
0: employees. Very good. Mm. So, I mean, some of those sound kind of like practical things mm, mm. and things that people could do Mm. but there's always a kind of uh, question from senior managers Mm. or owners about well so what's the payback for me of of, of doing this so beyond the kind of altruistic reasons Mm -hmm. that people might do it Mm -hmm. how do you kind of explain that sort of payback? Sure so
1: there is some really good evidence Mm. and literature out there on why having a diverse workforce pays off firstly diverse teams have better problem-solving skills mm. and come up with better solutions. That's one thing. Yeah. Yeah? So uh, that's one thing I like to think. If you have a homogenous team, they're going to come up with a very homogenous answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah? Oh, very good. Mm. So that sounds sort of better in terms of innovation, for mm-hmm. example. You're definitely. looking for new ideas. Definitely. That would be a sort of payback mm-hmm. from that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in New Zealand, definitely, we still have a glass ceiling. Yeah. So one thing that Southern Cross is uh, taking is the gender tick. Very right. soon. So GenderTech uh also developed Mind the Gap. Yeah. So Mind the Gap is a report on the pay difference between uh, men and women in New Zealand. Uh, and there is a gap yeah. still. And uh, organizations now, some of the big banks, for example, are actually publishing their pay differences between genders. Yeah. Uh, and being committed to reducing that gap. So that's one thing that an organisation can do to be an uh, equitable employer. Well, that's
0: interesting because that, mm. that also kind of leads back to some of the sort of well-being because mm-hmm. one of the trends I noticed, and I think it was in, in, in the, um, the Southern Cross report mm. as well, mm. was about what's important and mm. it was around financial well-being yes. and concern about the kind of cost of levy. Yes. Um, now, Obviously for organizations at the moment mm-hmm. sort of feeling that maybe we're heading we're in recession and yeah. this is diff, going to be difficult. so yeah. what, what sort of things do organizations do to help with sort of financial well-being sort mm-hmm. of beyond just paying people more which Definitely. may feel difficult at the moment
1: Definitely um, we have we have financial planners yeah uh, with raise who can sit down and provide planning advice. Mm-hmm. that's one thing. Um, we can do seminars on that as well. That can be a good thing to do. Uh, it's about supporting people to use public transport, to bring their own lunch, yeah. all things that are uh, prudent financially to do for individuals, but can also support people's well-being. How about people walking and biking if that's possible, rather than bringing their power car and yes. paying for parking?
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, very good. Very mm. interesting. So um, it sounds like. That's stuff that's about sort of good sort of education mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. around, around that, like finance. And tell me about sort of education around well-being in the workplace. What sort of things can organisations do or, you know, do you recommend organisations mm. do to help educate people perhaps? So,
1: sure, yeah. sure. So I know one one challenge that your profession has <laughs> been having recently yes. is is the move back to the office. Yes. And what do you do with these Big, big spaces that are, you know, very... And, and what are people doing at home? Mm. But the research also shows that hybrid working actually can increase productivity and can be great for pe- people's mental health. So it's finding a balance as an employer, is what works for the employee
0: yeah.
1: and what works for the employer.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm. And so that, that ties in with the theme I noticed in the report, which is talking about Sort of the importance of connection with mm-hmm. family or whanau mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know how that's a good sort of protective factor f- mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. So um, with with that, I think there was a there was a piece of data in there that that related to Maori as, as well. Is mm-hmm. that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the yeah, no, I'm going to skip that question. Sorry, you can edit that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I didn't do enough research. In that <laughs> yeah, area, sorry, that's so. all right. I yeah. just went. <laughs> <laughs>
0: on tangent there yeah I just yeah yeah because I, yeah. I was
1: thinking of ways I could answer it uh so you know I could talk about um you know Fano and you know connectedness to you know Fano and home you know how people you know are interviewed uh you know encouraging people to feel welcome to bring their Fano to meetings uh, uh you know to to interviews but I don't think I have enough expertise in that area I've seen it done well at some organisations, like AIDS Foundation and Mental Health, where people were able to bring their whānau to an interview. Uh, Then if people were welcomed into the organisation, that they had a puōwhiri where they are encouraged to bring their people Yes. But I'm not sure if that's right for your audience
0: or not. Oh, right. I was thinking about the piece that kind of seemed to be talking about things that people have started to value more Mm. is uh, time with family.
1: Yes. And it
0: seemed to be saying that that was even, that that was something that's even more valued by by the Maori population. Yes, yes. Yes, that was the piece I was kind of thinking of. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And I was thinking, well, you know, because you're talking about so hybrid work, hybrid work is that piece where um, maybe people are taking work home in a yes. way and spending more time at home, yes. but also um, they're saving on the travel time to and yeah. from the office, yeah, so they definitely. get more time with family. So, yeah. but how do you help people kind of safeguard that and the yeah. work doesn't start to encroach too much?
1: Yeah, that's very difficult. So yeah. you you might have time to drop your kids off at school yeah. when before they are in before school care. Yeah, you may be able to pick them up and then continue when that you get home something I do yes. uh, but it's also about having that um, that time that time box so when work finishes it work finishes that you're still not doing your emails on the couch or on Sunday you're doing your preparatory reading is, <laughs> you know so that's um, there's a challenge that we all face is, is juggling
0: yeah so over, over those four years I mm. think it is now that you've been you've been running running the report you know obviously has been changing mm. so over mm. that time mm. um what, what sort of stands out to you in those changes? Are there anything that surprised you at all when you looked at the results this year? Yeah.
1: I think we have to remember that we've had four years of incredible change in our yeah. world. So I think most people who are doing longitude studies saying they need a little bit more time mm. to see the impact. Yes, We know that people have been... Uh, uh, really affected emotionally and psychologically from from the pandemic. So moving back into the office, uh, adjusting to hybrid working, uh, balancing the needs of uh, an economy which is uh, coming into a recession, (laughs) Uh, all of the other factors. Um, I think we probably need a little bit uh, longer to establish a a baseline of what our new normal is yeah
0: yeah because I mean as you say it's sort of been an unusual time Mm, I suppose mm. and we think I think you started in 2019 Mm. and then 2020 Mm, mm. sort of the impacts of the pandemic Mm. now Mm. I mean are are there any things that you you have any kind of inkling you know like this is what I think's going to come come next you know what's your if you were to take a bit of a view to the future do you see any trends that are going to uh, you know, intensify perhaps.
1: I think of focus on well-being, mm. of people being encouraged to bring their whole, uh, their whole selves to work. Yeah, that comes back to the DEI space that you are encouraged to to be yourself, and we know that that increases productivity, it increases uh, a cohesive workplace, uh, and that diversity is a good thing. Yes. Uh, So I think in the future we will uh, see people working in hybrid environments. Uh, We've really uh, embraced technology in that space. Uh, We will have people being encouraged to get up and move You know, during their day, all these things we've been saying, but they take a little bit longer to actually trickle down. We'll probably see special days of the year, you know, or luncheon learns Mm -hmm. evolving into things which really permeate the whole organisation. So when you think about a policy or you think about something new, you have that eye for diversity and inclusion on it. You have that eye of... What will this mean for my employees' wellness and their health? What will it mean for productivity?
0: Yeah. I mean there's there's a very strong link isn't there Mm. really between these two areas Mm. of of your job the sort of well-being Mm. area and the diversity Mm. diversity Mm. inclusion i mean in your work sort of what what other parts of the organization do you find yourself sort of particularly touching you know what other areas perhaps
1: sure so for me it's about supporting the work of society for, for Southern Cross moving from hospitals to healthcare that's the main thing our yeah. strong partnerships with our society so our insurance arm as well so how can we really support people live their healthier a healthier life yes. a long healthy life and how do we partner better yes. with our insurance arms with the public sector with the private primary sector uh, to really create a value in the healthcare that people provide not just when they're sick, yeah, but when they've got that little ache and pain, or they're starting to get a little bit down. How can we actually prevent people from having
0: yeah.
1: surgery? That's right. the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. So, what in that preventative space? People spend so long at work. What can we do in that space? What we can can we do as healthcare providers to support people from getting sicker or getting injured? And then if they do end up in hospital, what's it like when they leave? What kind of stuff do they take home? In cancer care, what kind of mental health support are we providing people and their family in whānau? What are we providing in the way of rehabilitation through an awesome network of physiotherapists that we have once people leave after a hip or a knee replacement? Uh, what type of support are we wrapping around a person who may have had... A a w- women's health gynae gyne surgery both before and after the huge life changes so the idea of us being able to wrap around a person and provide top-notch care to to people through those different stages of their lives uh, I think is where it's going to be at in the future
0: ah yeah so that's that's a kind of another way of sort of slicing the demographics isn't Mm -hmm. it by by stage of life and sort of time and 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 what what needs are at a particular Mm. point so Mm. i mean that sort of points to i guess uh people in organizations being very mindful Mm. of um you know what you know what's the in terms of the the demographic of Mm. their uh, workforce Mm. and as you say then sort of probing into that to see what people need but you could probably go in with a few hypotheses about what it's gonna be if most people you're employing are uh, new university graduates, Mm, or if mm. most people you're you're employing are more middle-aged. Definitely,
1: and just like New Zealand, in our population, we're aging. Mm, And so we're gonna have an aging population who are probably gonna be working for longer as well. So what are we doing uh, to support our aging workforce as well? So, and looking at those different life stages, uh, one thing that we will be doing is a menopause guideline. How do you support somebody who is transitioning in that space in yes, their life? Yes. Yep. So that's that's one thing that we will definitely be looking in the future to to support different stages of the
0: of life. Oh, absolutely, mm. Yeah. Mm. And so much of what you have just been saying, I mm. feel, is very congruent with, I suppose, your original purpose that yes. you talked about, which is this piece about, OK, it's not the bottom of the cliff, but going further and further mm. back mm. and also going broader as well. So yes. it seems like not so much uh, treating uh, the uh, effect as mm. to treating the causes, yes. perhaps. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, mm. <laughs> very good. Mm. And, um, you know, so... For, for organisations that perhaps don't have the resources that, mm. that you do or mm. the expertise that, mm. that you do, well, was a kind of good place for people to start with this? If they're kind of feeling, right, we really need to do something about wellness and diversity Definitely. in our organisations, yeah. well, what was a good place for people to Definitely.
1: start? Definitely. So, uh, your public health unit yeah. will often have a workplace wellbeing toolkit that they can right. you can use. Mm. So, And some DHBs have some awesome stuff on their website so I would check out that, that's one thing, they have some great toolkits that can be accessed if you're a Southerns Cross Society corporate member, you can access the Being Well Plus uh, platform which enables you to um, grab content and have a wellbeing calendar, so they're all things that you can do Also, in the diversity space, there are some fantastic organizations that you can partner with. So uh, we've partnered with Pride Pledge. So we've Mm. taken a Pride Pledge, Uh, they have a stock take, and they really support you to uh, increase your capability of um, supporting your Rainbow staff and also your employees and patients. The Gender Tech is another orga- awesome organisation. So uh, there are lots of organisations that you can partner with as well that can support you on this journey.
0: Right. So organisations mm. that you can partner with, expertise mm. in specific areas. Definitely. If you identify them, support. Definitely. Sounds like you're saying as well. There's um, there's resources that are available at no cost for yes. organisations yes, to to, to access. Yeah. So
1: And with, and with that, tapping into your networks. Yeah. As well. So you know, I, I mentioned the menopause guide. It's amazing that people are sharing the work that they've done on policies and guidelines very freely. Right. So I've found if you ask, people will give. Right. And you're able to either start from scratch, or review and compare, and so that can make the for an HR professional in the space uh, a lot a, a lot easier. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, I want to sort of roll back to um, something that we found in mm. in the NIB. EMA survey about mm. sort of um, about mental well-being mm-hmm. and about the extent to which people sort of felt stressed at work yeah. and the figures for this were extremely yeah, extremely high mm. yeah so tell, tell me about the sort of figures that you found and what that sort of looks like yeah well, I
1: don't know if we were using the same probab- yeah tool so yeah, yeah, yeah. and also maybe the question was asked differently about yeah. general life versus work yeah. yeah, so we know the utilization of technology is fabulous, but it means we don't switch off, Yeah. you know, that people m- multitask to the max, you know, there is all of those things. So some people are going down the path of encouraging mindfulness. I know you had Jack, Zach Parrish on, yeah. on one of your podcasts uh, talking about, you know, bringing people back, um, you know, encouraging walking meetings or people to actually have some designated time where they get out of the office and they have a walk. You know, all of those things that you can encourage and as leaders to also to role model that.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, that role modeling thing is is so interesting and yet sometimes it feels so difficult to, to yes, do. Yes, definitely. Um, and I think, um, you know, I often hear about the group that feel most affected in the workplace mm. is the sort of middle management yeah. sort of level. Yes. Yeah, this, this, your experience too.
1: Yeah, you've got the push from above and yes. you've got the push and the pull from below. <laughs> So you're stuck in the middle of the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've been an operations manager. So, you know, I've been there. Yes. It's a very difficult role. Yeah. Uh, so supporting yourself not to burn out yes. and to, uh, you know, carve out your time so you're uh, efficient and you're effective. When you are with your team, you're present. Yeah. You know, some of the best leaders I've seen are the ones who are present and they're with their people and they're doing one thing at a time really well.
0: Yeah. Mm. And so what, what does that look like, someone being sort of present in that way? What's the, uh, you know, what does somebody need to do to kind of demonstrate that? You I think?
1: guess it's technology, right? It's, it's yeah. ta- slapping down that laptop lid and putting <laughs> your phone away. I think that's a real, real, and having, you know, building that culture and leading that, you know, when we when we meet Yes. When you have that sacred time, whether it be one or one or team, you are actually, um, you're modelling that. Another thing people are doing and something that we're doing at Southern Cross is um, bringing in a waiata at the beginning of your meeting. Right. You know, there are some incredible tereo waiatas that, you know, if you put with the English translation or you encourage people to start to, to learn some tereo, you know, they've got a real ability to ground and centre people at the beginning of a meeting.
0: Oh, that's mm. that's pretty interesting because that again uh, is another link I guess mm. across from your diversity inclusion mm. hat to mm. your well being hat. Mm. Also relates very much to some research that Jared Haas shared with mm. us on a AMA cast yes. where he he talked about uh, being a huge. Um, a benefit mm-hmm. when Tereo was used more in, mm. in, in the workplace yes. and made more acceptable to yes. do. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's the same. We think about the journey of Tereo being mm. recognized as a, la- you know, language in New Zealand from the people back in the sixties who were mm. not allowed to speak Tereo. And now you're encouraged and it's, an embr- and it's embraced. It's
0: embraced. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, for those, those middle managers yes. like that, I think there's some great sort of practical stuff there yes. to, to thinking about people as individuals, what to do. So yep. somebody comes in to have a conversation, you know, closing your laptop or turning off your phone or just turning it around and kind of looking at them mm. and talking to them. Mm. A great sort of practical stuff that we're very easy to do, but very easy to forget to do as Definitely. well. Um, and that's good as a middle manager, kind of thinking of it for yourself and mm. doing that. Mm. At, at an organisational level, what, what can organisations do to help, managers to behave like that or to <laughs> yeah, do that yeah
1: you know one thing that um we we went on a senior leadership uh, course recently and one of the speakers really resonated with me he said that the first four minutes don't talk work you know just build that relationship ask somebody how they really are you yeah. know ask them about their family or what's happening in their lives and it helps you build that relationship and it helps you ground and centre. So you, when you do start talking work, you start talking shop, it's done from a place of empathy. You know what person a person is going on, and going on in their life. You can have that wider understanding of the context within somebody is sitting in and then going from there.
0: Very good, yeah, mm. very interesting. So you could mm. establish, it sounds like some of the things here are about perhaps establish some organisational protocols about yeah. how you do things that yeah. just make it easier and more acceptable yes. to do that. Yes, yeah,
1: definitely. And and then in time it becomes the way your organisation functions, the way you live and breathe.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, mm. Absolutely. Mm. So... Um, do, you know, at the moment, are you mm. somebody that feels that this this attention that's being given to sort of well-being mm-hmm. and wellness mm-hmm. in the workplace, mm-hmm. are you seeing this as something that's that's uh, occurring across lots of organisations and is kind of a positive trend mm. or, um, you know, is it something that there's any resistance to?
1: Mm, definitely. I think often when people come to us, it's the health and safety right. role that first makes that initial call. Yeah. And they ask about specific, often occupational health things that they, they need yeah. to, for, for their health and safety program. Uh, and we can definitely assist with that. So we're, we're working with a lot of um, medium, small to medium-sized businesses on quick fixes for individuals who yeah. need assistance. Right, Yes. With the well-being dollar, and it depends how much you have, <laughs> uh, you can do great stuff for your organisation in a real targeted way. So coming back to the idea of the idea of, you know, a subsidised gym membership yeah. versus working with specific people in your organisation. So um, who can really get the benefit out of a well-being program? And yeah. people are starting to think more more like that. So working with a group of senior leaders who need specific leadership training, your middle managers who may need support around uh, resilience and um, that, that push-pull that we talked about before. Uh, and then a real focused approach with working with specific people. One Some of the work, uh, the customers we have have factories. And, uh, some of those people may not be insured, so they don't have the benefits of, uh, you know, of a membership um, with a, with an insurance company. So, what I've loved is that they have given their factory workers time to have a health check. Right. You know? that takes some that takes some planning. You've got a production line, you know, and you you give that person half an hour off that production line to go and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. and then from there we can start to build some really good health programs so for example having a diabetes nurse come in once a month and having a GP video called in to talk to the person during the conversation uh, during that consultation and come up with lots of innovative ways for real targeted approach to supporting the health and well-being of
0: employees that's really good because Mm. what you've just done for me Mm. is sort of bring to life that uh piece around well um you know health and well-being yeah Kind of gym memberships for people that go to the gym anyway, mm-hmm. uh, healthy food for people that are eating health uh, healthy food anyway. It's kind of nice, but it doesn't really feel like it's going to shift the dial that no. much. Whereas what you're talking about is really nitty gritty health problems definitely. and sort of helping people to overcome those yes, definitely. And, and be productive both uh, in the sense of productive at work, but also productive members of the community. And so mm, forth. definitely,
1: yeah. at the beginning of this journey, we said that we would never be about smoothies and yoga classes.
0: <laughs> right. You
1: know, and smoothie and yoga classes are great, yeah. but we need to penetrate deeper when we actually think about wellness. Yeah.
0: Mm. And, you know, I think, again, going back to your work experience, mm. you know, coming into this as a kind of health professional Mm. with that kind of lens Mm. lens on it um, you know do you feel that uh, I suppose the the HR part of Mm. the sort of wellness industry Mm. if you like does that need to kind of speed up or refocus somewhere or Mm. um, you know you know you must come with a kind of very critical perhaps professional (laughs) lens to it at
1: times I think it depends on your organization so it depends where your health and safety person sits yes. and how close they sit to your people and culture department. Right. You know, do they... And where does your well-being person sit? And do those two people talk? Yes. You know, and everybody seems to be doing it slightly differently. Uh, you know, is your health and safety person also your well-being person? Yeah. You know, and how are you skilling skilling them up to really understand about how you can design a meaningful and effective well-being program. Okay. So often we start to work with a wellbeing coordinator or a health and safety coordinator, and then we'll work with the health and uh, HR leaders. And that will help them have that insight and knowledge from the more senior people in the organisation to just give them some direction. And then when we can work with the health and safety and wellbeing coordinators to also provide them resources and ideas um, for how to design the, a program with the most, that will have the most impact.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's an area where we're going to see a lot more attention and interest because Mm. we do an assessment uh, with organisations around the sort of HR maturity. Mm. And one of the areas that comes out there is most New Zealand organisations that we Mm -hmm. survey. So these are typically a sort of uh, 50 to 250 employees. Mm. And typically what comes out there is where we've got questions that are about what I might call traditional health and safety mm-hmm. organizations are like, yeah, this is really important to the business yes. and we do the right stuff. Sure. They basically say that sure. um, with the stuff that's more related to, to wellbeing mm. and wellness. What I've noticed there is, is certainly a shift in terms of how far people see that as important, mm. getting more and more important, mm-hmm. but, frequently those are the questions which where organizations are like recognizing they're they're not so mature if you like Mm, and they mm. they need to do something Mm -hmm, so there's mm -hmm. this um this gap Mm, there between what they recognize as their current capability versus what the business needs sure sure
1: definitely and there's only so so much you can do so maybe Mm -hmm. you start with flu vaccinations yeah you know, or uh, supporting COVID, uh, COVID vaccines. That's a huge start. Making sure that you've got your o- occupational health vaccinations right. If there's a, a risk of tetanus or hepatitis, what you do? What are you doing if you've got um, seasonal workers coming over for nine yeah. months a year? How are you supporting them? So in a small business, that might be about and um, so that you use your, your dollar in the most effective way.
0: Yeah. And
1: definitely, there are free resources out there and there are ways uh, like listening to your podcast like jared's <laughs> podcast where you can really think critically around if you've just got one person doing health and safety and maybe well-being as well and maybe they're not full-time in an organization of two to four hundred how can they be skilled up so they can present the best offering to your employees
0: Well, yes. I mean, it's it's interesting you say that because Mm. um, sometimes the whole thing is really embodied in one person in an organisation, perhaps of 100 or so. Mm. There's there's one one person in there and really probably the three things that they're rushing around doing is recruitment because at the moment they can't find anyone. Uh, So that's bothering them all the time. Mm. Uh, They're dealing with poor performance because managers have... uh, perhaps not been skilled up to do yeah. that yeah. or perhaps it's not been dealt with over the last few years yeah. and the other thing is very much around health and safety yes. and kind of just what do i need to what do i need to do yeah. there on a day to day basis um, and what I notice uh, about uh, the discussion with you, mm. compared to some of the other conversations mm-hmm. about wellbeing, is a real kind of back to basic basics around things like to do with health that I go to the doctor or the dentist about the, these sort of things. Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, more and more and more people in New Zealand don't have. Uh, a doctor that they'll go and see regularly. You know, we've got a huge shortage of GPs in New yeah. Zealand. So uh, when we look to Australia, mm-hmm. more uh, businesses are actually paying for g- general virtual GP care. So that's something we can do uh, through Care HQ. So we can do that for um, GP medicals, for returning uh, to uh, to work after an injury. Yeah. Uh, or also... Um, You know, if somebody is at sick and at home and they're getting to that point, they might need antibiotics and they need to check something out, that's a great time to access virtual care. So Southern Cross um, members uh, can access uh, Care HQ for free, uh, but it's also something that we can provide in a a voucher system for employees. So that might be something really useful for your um, small to medium-sized businesses.
0: Yeah, Mm. yeah, absolutely. Mm. So... um, I guess you know we've we've come round mm. a, a whole range of certain mm. sort of areas, and um, I'm I'm so amazed with the sort of depth of knowledge that you have ar- around these. Um, you know, if you were kind of wanting to give a message, I suppose, mm. to sort of HR managers out there mm. or our small business owners mm. about uh, sort of wellness at, at work and, mm. you know, what a kind of great sort of first step this is mm. or what it is that they could achieve by giving more attention to it. What, mm. what sort of message would that be?
1: I think that investing in your employees' well-being mm. will hopefully keep them working for you. That's one thing. They're less likely to leave if they feel valued. They're more likely productive if they're well. They're the cornerstones of well-being. Uh, and if you do it right, you will see a change over time. Yeah. And if people are encouraged to bring their whole selves to work, that you will get people really engaging in their job and in the team a lot more genuinely. Like gone are the days where you have to leave parts of yourself at home and that diversity and, and creating an inclusive environment leads also to more productivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's a, a great output. I think everybody mm. would want that. People would want bring, be, their employees bringing their whole self to yes. work. I think it sounds like it's, um, it's bringing their well self to yes. work as well and being more well when they're yes. there and being more likely to... Um, stay working for the organisation yes. and be engaged and motivated yes, while there. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of powerful wins from it, Kays, there aren't are.
1: there? <laughs> and also engaging people on the endure, yeah. and uh, you know whether organisations do a pulse survey yeah. or how they consult with their uh, people and ask them before you go out and spend a whole lot of money that you think is great. Ask them if they'll use it, you know, if they think it will be worthwhile, yes. or if th- if you could do something differently. And so then, that will help you uh, take a much more targeted approach that is likely to get engagement, and that is going to also turn into tangible results.
0: Fantastic. Mm. Well, thanks so much for coming in and sharing such expertise and, and knowledge today. It's it's been very interesting to delve into these areas and circle around them and and come back. Um, right. But that's 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 been very helpful. Great. Um, and I'd like to, oh, well, obviously, thank you, Kate, again, for coming. Uh, I like to think that everyone that's, that's watched this has got some great sort of practical ideas of things they can do, uh, well aware of the resources that, that, that there are to support them. Uh, I've really encourage people to have a look at that, uh, the workplace health report that uh, Southern Cross have done. There's some fascinating da- data in there. so much data, it kind of overloads us all, but you can find some great practical things in there. Um, But I'd just like to thank everyone for listening today and I I wish everyone well on their journey to making uh, workplaces more healthy and well and diverse. Thank you.